and good evening. Greetings for wherever you are on the planet. Welcome to Planet Waukesha, where your money, business, investing, and philanthropy are your culture. My name is Sabrina Lamb. I'm the founder and CEO of World of Money, the leading immersive youth financial education provider worldwide now in our 18th year. I'm also the founder of Wakeza, which means save and invest in Swahili. After years of producing adult Money Matters forms, we finally have a safe space for world of money parents, graduates, young, young adults who are uh, uh, attended World of Money before, but now you're adults, to continue, and all adults, in fact, uh, to continue and renew your financial education journey. So here is a learn more a little bit about Wakiza. Can you envision a world where you and your family in America and those who immigrated from Africa and the Caribbean could receive immersive financial education and invest in fractional and whole shares of U.S. publicly traded companies? That time has come. Wakiza. Finally, from your mobile phone, you can start investing in building wealth. Wakeza. Just sign up for the Wakeza app and join the Wakeza community to receive ongoing adult and youth financial education from licensed advisors. Wakeza. You become a financially educated and protected investor. Wakeza has one empowering objective, creating financial inclusion and your family's generational wealth for the African diaspora. Wakeza. Yes, so you probably heard a few times during the video, it's really important that financial advisors are accredited, vetted, licensed, because there's so much bad information out there. But at World of Money and Wakeza, you can definitely rest assured that every expert that we bring to you has absolutely the top line in terms of not only accredited, but licensed and decades and decades um, of expertise when it comes to financial education. So tonight's focus is on the third edition of the international bestseller, Get Rich with Dividends, a proven system for earning double digit returns. Wow. But before we dive in, some housekeeping. Please show your support by liking, sharing, and subscribing to this broadcast so that more people have access to this information. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the newsletter at wakiza.com. There's so much great treats we have in store for you and so that you can share it with your friends. Our goal this month is to have 1,000 signups, so we really need your help, okay? So remember, you're also the star of this broadcast, so don't hesitate to post your questions in the chat. Our guest our guest expert really wants to answer them. And at the end of the broadcast, we'll be giving away an autographed copy of the book to one lucky audience member. And I'll tell you how that's going to happen soon. So let's begin. So Mark Lichtenfeld is the Oxford Club's chief income strategist and founder and senior editor of the Oxford Income Letter. He has appeared on CNBC, Fox Business, and Bloomberg Radio. His work has been featured in the Wall Street Journal on dot-com, uh, Forbes, as well as U.S. News and World Report and others. His best-selling book, Get Rich with Dividends, 
I have a copy, is in its third edition and has been published in multiple languages. It's the world of money. Get Rich with Dividends was named the 2016 Book of the Year by the Institute uh, for Financial Literacy. Mark is the only published financial analyst. Now, this is more great information. He's a ring announcer. And he has announced during championship boxing matches on HBO, Showtime, and ESPN. Mark is also a valued member of the World of Money National Advisory Council. Coming to the stage, Mr. Mark Lichtenfeld. Hey, Mark. Hi, Sabrina. <laughs> so I have a lot of questions, and we have questions that are coming in through the chat and from our audience members. So just a little bit of background about the why. Why sure. do we need a third edition? This is the old edition. This right. is all dusty and rusty. That's the first one, yeah. That's the first one. Why the third? And how was how your book and this information received in other countries? Because it is translated in multiple languages. Sure. Um, so thanks for having me. It's always great to talk with you. Um, so the reason I, I wrote the book a third time uh, or updated it is because the last edition came out in 2015 and so many things have changed in those eight years. And when I first wrote the book, the you know, one of the key ideas was to come up with an investing strategy that would keep up with or beat inflation. But we really didn't have any inflation. We hadn't had any for years. And, you know, it, it was I had written it kind of thinking, well, someday we'll have inflation and this will be the strategy you'll need. Well, we finally have inflation, mm -hmm. uh, as, as everybody very well knows. So um, as inflation really started to heat up, I thought it was really important to revisit this idea, you know, make sure it gets in front of people, but also take a look at how it has performed over the last uh, 10, um, when did I write the book originally? 2012, mm -hmm. so the last 11 years. And, and see how the strategy has worked during all kinds of markets, including the COVID crash, uh, you know, the, the strong bull market that we had for, for so long. And um, yeah, so, so, so really the inflation was, was kind of the big catalyst. All right, so let's get into this, okay. The first part I would like for you to address, when stock markets experience uh, upheaval, people seeing that particularly financial media tend to lose their minds. Mm -hmm. And then we, the collective we, start reporting or repeating what is said on social media or on a traditional broadcast. Isn't it, what is your response to this? The market, the stock market, has its ups and its downs for sure. decades. So what's unique or different about this current market, if anything? Um, really, I don't think anything. Um, you know, there, there's kind of a an expression, this time it's different. And that's also known as the four most dangerous words on Wall Street, because it, it never really is different. I mean, certainly circumstances can be different. You know, the COVID crash, or, you know, COVID was different. The uh, financial uh, uh, crisis in 2008 was different. But what is not different is that over the long term, the stock market goes up. And yes, we'll have some bear markets, we'll have some crashes, we'll have some really scary times like we had in 2008. But we know that if you're invested for the long term, and you don't bail out when things get a little scary, 
you make money over the long term. And, and that has worked, as you said, for decades and decades and decades. I mean, going back since the stock market was created. So uh, so really, to me, uh, you know, when, when you ask, you know, what's different about this market? Um, you know, again, variables are always a little bit different, but it's, it's not different this time. And, you know, I, I don't anticipate it will be, despite all the, the very serious problems that we do have in the world. And, and it seems like every day the headlines get worse and worse, yet the markets, you know, go up over the long term. And, and, they, and they've there've been bad headlines for as long as I can remember, that's for sure. I, I try to point that out to my kids when they get a little freaked out about what's happening in the world mm-hmm. and, and, and not to minimize the problems, which are very real and, and hopefully uh, will get solved. But, you know, I remind them that in the 60s, you know, it seemed like the country was coming apart. In the 70s, inflation was through the roof when we had a president resign in disgrace and, and so on and so on. There's always been some very serious issues. And at least, you know, financially, the stock market continued to go higher over the long term. So everyone, please remember to post in the chat your your questions definitely coming to you. How does one prepare to invest in anything? What do I need to have a six month savings account? What kind of research should I, you know, do? Tell us. Yeah, that's a, a great question. So before anybody even thinks about investing, they should have a savings account with six months worth of expenses so that if you lose your job or there's there's some kind of situation like we had with COVID, uh, just, just something that you have emergency reserves that can pay the bills, pay the rent or mortgage, and, and you're not worried about, about uh, you know, your finances. After that, if, if you're thinking about investing, especially in the stock market, I recommend that you have at least a three-year time horizon. If you're going to need the money before three years, I don't recommend putting it in the stock market. You can put it you know, in a savings account. You could put it in a, a certificate of a deposit or also known as a CD in the bank. Uh, you could buy a treasury bond. Um, those are very safe investments. You'll make some interest, uh, so you'll get a little bit of income, and your money will be very, very safe, and, and you don't have to worry about that. If you have a longer time horizon, longer than three years, then yes, I do think the stock market's uh, an, an appropriate place. And, and the longer the time horizon, uh, you know, the better off you'll be. Mm-hmm. And as far as how you get started, I mean, there, there are so many different ways. Uh, you know, there's so much there's so much free information out there on the web, uh, including at, at most brokers' websites. And, and it doesn't cost anything to open a brokerage account. You don't even have to fund it with any cash at the beginning. You can just open an account. Uh, just go on their website and fill out a form. And then they'll have all kinds of tools for you to look at. There'll be, um, you know, there'll be stock market news. There'll be company information. So one of the things that I did early, very early in my career, and I did not have a traditional start to my career. I didn't come out of business school. I didn't plan on going into the stock market. So when I first became interested in the stock market, uh, I, I did a few things. First, I read everything I could get my hands on. And the best book that I read, and it was really the book that got me started on my journey, was called Understanding Wall Street by Jeffrey Little. And it really is, is the, it goes into the very, very basics of what a stock is, what a bond is, and, and how you, you go about investing. It's a terrific book for beginners. Um, and then the other thing I did was I read, there's a, a, a business newspaper called Barron's. And I just started reading that cover to cover every week, even though I didn't understand 90% of it. But just by reading it all the time, and it covered you know, different 
types of stocks, different types of investments. It talked about the economy. And after you know a little while, that started to soak in. So that that's those were the tools that helped me very early in the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. I'd like to think my book, Get Rich with Dividends, can help people. But but really anything you can get your hands on um, to read. And, and, and now, you know, there's so much free information on the web. When I was starting out, I literally had to go to libraries. If anybody remembers uh, what a library is. What's that, Mark? <laughs> it's, a, it's a big place <laughs> where they have these, these analog, uh, you know, reading materials. Um, yeah. and, and so I would go on weekends and, you know, I, I would take some books home and, but other times there was materials you were not allowed to take out. Uh, mm-hmm. so I would have to sit there and read on a Saturday afternoon. Um, and, and, you know, and it, it required some work on my part to, but I was interested. I wanted to learn everything I could mm-hmm. for people who are not that interested in doing it themselves. You can hire a financial advisor and they'll take care of all that for you. You pay them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's various ways some, you know, uh, you can pay them a, a straight up fee. There are financial advisors that charge you, uh, to manage your assets. So it might be 1% of your assets. That's, that's generally what I recommend unless, Unless you just need somebody just to create a plan for you, and then you're going to do it yourself, then you might just pay a, a, a fee. Um, but but having a professional uh, can help you if you are either unsure of doing it yourself or you just don't want to. I mean, not everybody wants to do it themselves. I, I'd like to think most people can do it themselves. It's not as complicated as you think. But for those people that that don't want to or want to have that professional doing it for them, uh, you, know, you, you can go that route as well. Felicia Palmer asked, does hysteria become a self-fulfilling prophecy? That's a great question. Uh, certainly, as things are really coming apart in a, in a crash uh, or a very significant bear market like we saw in 2008, mm-hmm. sure. I mean, the, the headlines are bad, not just the, the financial headlines, the, you know, usually the Main Street headlines, the mainstream media headlines are bad. And, and certainly the financial headlines will be bad. And, and you know, as, as you know, Sabrina, and as I'm sure everybody knows who's watching and listening in the media, if it bleeds, it leads. You know, they're going to they're going to give you the worst news possible because that's going to make you need to tune in to find out what's next and what to do next and how to save your neck. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so, yes, that does lead to more panic on Wall Street and and, and not just for individual investors and, and beginning investors. I mean, the, the pros do the same thing. You know, the markets start falling and the pros just you know, say, I, I can't take this pain anymore. I need to get rid of my risk. And they bail out as well. Um, but the important thing to remember, like I said, is markets go up over the long term. And if you can have the uh, intestinal fortitude to zig while everybody else is zagging, that's where you can really do very, very well. If you can buy while everybody is selling, uh, you can do extremely, extremely well. It's not easy to do. And it's, it's, um, it's scary but I think Warren Buffett basically said, if you're if you're not buying when it's uncomfortable, you're doing it wrong. Mm. So it, it should feel a little uncomfortable to buy when everybody is selling. And, and you're not going to time it perfectly. You're not going to buy it right at the bottom. Right. But if you see you know, real mass hysteria, that is usually a great time to start putting some money to work. What do you think of this statement? It's not timing the market. It's time in the market. And Felicia Palmer asks, what's the long term, 30 years? It could be. Uh, I would say um, long term would be a minimum of five years, uh, preferably longer. But 30 years is, is, a, is a great long term goal if you have that 
kind of time horizon. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not everybody does, certainly. But what I always say for for when, especially when I start talking about kind of the real long term, like like 30 years, even if you don't have 30 years to invest, you probably know somebody that does. So whatever you learn about long term investing, share that knowledge with somebody younger because it will make all the difference in the world. And, and I, I think a little bit later, we're, we're going to maybe run through some numbers yes. that will show you just how big the numbers get if you invest for the long term and, and just leave it alone for the most part. True or false? Do all companies pay a dividend? No, they don't. Actually, most do not pay a dividend. And if you're unfamiliar with, it, with what a dividend is, a dividend is when you own a stock, um, you know, most people, you buy a stock and you hope that the stock price goes up. And that way, when you sell it, you'll make a profit. Uh, some companies, and, and there's a decent, I mean, there are hundreds of companies, uh, do pay a dividend. They'll pay you cash. Uh, every quarter, some even do it every month. And it could be anywhere from a fraction of a, a percent a year to um, even as much as 10, 15% on, on the very high end. And you can take that cash and hold on to it and use it for whatever you want, or you can automatically reinvest it, which is one of the things I, I strongly recommend if you don't need the money right now. Mm -hmm. And when you automatically reinvest it, that means you automatically are buying more shares of that stock. So if you had 100 shares of stock and you got paid a dividend that enabled you to buy two more shares of stock, well, now you're getting paid dividends on 102 shares instead of 100 shares. So let's say that, that the, the dividend was a dollar a share. Um, so you get $100 and let's say you could then buy two shares of stock. Well, now the next time you get a dividend, you'll, be getting, you'll receive 102 share, $102, which you can then buy more stock with and more stock. And, and so as you buy more stock, you get more dividends, more stock, more dividends. And that's what really creates compounding. And, and that's what really accelerates the ability to create wealth. Now, Mark, there used to be a website. Uh, I'm not seeing it now, but it was dividends.com where you could research which companies pay a dividend. Do you know, have handy the name of any new websites that have that information? Um, as far as for Screening which companies pay dividends. Mm -hmm. if, I don't remember offhand, but if you if you do have a brokerage account, most brokers will allow you to do a, um, a screen. Actually, there's also a website, um, a free website called Finviz. F I N V I Z. Repeat that. Com. Repeat that, please. Repeat sure. that. Finviz. Uh, F like Frank. I N like Nancy. V like Victor. I Z. Dot com. And uh, they do have a stock screener, and I'm pretty sure you can uh, you can select uh, dividends or yield, which is the percentage um, that you receive in dividends uh, based on the stock price. So if you screen for that, you'll you'll see the companies that pay dividends. And I did find the website. It's not dividend with an S. It's dividendsingular.com, and everyone I put in the chat put it, the uh, link in the chat. Okay, Mark. So what I find fascinating about your book, Get Rich with Dividends, is that because there's so much focus on the companies that, you know, have a lot of marketing and the financial media is always talking about the same company. There's over 2,000 publicly traded companies that you can, can uh, consider with a variety of different industries. But you write in your, in your, uh, the forward of your book, when it comes to the stock market, most investors prefer glamour to profits. Why do you say that? 
Well, you know, most most people want the the high flying stock. They want to discover the next Tesla or Facebook or whatever is the Wall Street darling. And true, if you if you catch lightning in a bottle and and happen to get in on one of those early, you can make a fortune. But those are very very difficult to to discover uh, before everybody else does. And so once the media, CNBC and mainstream media and all your friends are talking about it, it's it, probably too late. Uh, not, not to say that those stocks can't continue to go higher, but it's probably too late as far as to, to really cash in big. So for the most part, you don't want those, those glamorous stocks, the ones that everybody are, is, are talking about. The companies that pay dividend, typically pay dividends and grow their dividends are you know, the companies that nobody's talking about and that have really have businesses that are very unsexy, uh, you know, companies that make electrical components um, or. Oh, I love that. No. It, well, I mean, I mean, or, you know, true, um, yeah, you know, or, or um, you know, pump oil or uh, pharmaceuticals, but but not the next great, you know, uh, cancer uh, life saving drug. But, you know, a, a company that has an arthritis drug that, you know, sells you know millions of prescriptions a year but it's not it's not the like i said the sexiest drugs not the headline making drug mm -hmm. so a lot of those those kind of boring companies they're not all boring but a lot of them are yet they generate tons of cash flow they make lots of money their stock prices typically if you're paying a dividend and raising the dividend every year which is, is something else i i strongly recommend in the book is that you try to find companies that raise their dividend every year so if you can do that, those companies tend, those stock prices tend to go higher because that means the company, if they're raising the dividend every year, they're paying their shareholders more money every year. That means that they're generally speaking, making more money than, you know, as a company each year, which should, you know, which should increase the stock price. What is a perpetual dividend raiser? Sure. So that is what I call a company that raises their dividend every single year. Mm -hmm. And like we were talking about earlier, and you know, one of the reasons I wrote the book was to be able to keep up with and beat inflation. Mm -hmm. uh, so a company that's raising the dividend every year should help you do that if they're doing it by enough. So, for example, if you're if you're generating five hundred dollars a year in dividend income, and inflation goes uh, goes up, uh, inflate. Let's say inflation is eight uh, percent, which is is pretty high. Well, the next time you receive dividends or the next year you receive dividends, if you're receiving the same $500, but what, what used to cost you 500 now, because there's 8% inflation now costs you 540, that $500 doesn't buy you the same amount of goods and services anymore. You don't have the same buying power. So if you can find a company that let's say raises their dividend by 8% or even 10% a year, well, now you're keeping up with inflation and, and you can afford that $540 item uh, or maybe even a little bit more if your if your dividends are now five hundred fifty dollars. Mm -hmm. So that's the reason that we want these companies that raise their dividend every year because even when inflation isn't high, you know, for years it wasn't, but it was still one and a half percent, two two percent, two and a half percent. So you know, over time that does erode your buying power. You, you might not feel it so much, you know, every month or every year, but over time it does. So. If you can increase your buying power every year, you're you're ahead of the game. Let's should we go to the the slide? Would you like to do the demo now, Mark? Sure. 
Okay. So um, in the book, uh, you know, one of the things I talk about is the the focus uh, or the goal, I should say, of the book is to generate 12% average annual total returns. So what does that mean? If, if you if you are starting with uh, $1,000, it means you would hope that at the end of uh, year one, you would now have $1,120 and, and so on. So you're making 12% per year. And some people might not think that's a lot. In, in stock market uh, terms, it actually is, is, is quite good because in the stock market, on average, the S&P 500 goes up about um, about uh, 8% a year. Actually, you know, I think, okay, yeah. Okay, so we have- Is that it? Oh, you know what? This is, uh, I think I sent you the um, an old version of the presentation. If, if you scroll down to, uh, it's towards the end where it says 12% average annual total returns. Sorry about that. Uh, okay. Right here. Okay. So the, here's what, here's, you know, when I talk about investing for the long term, here is why uh, I, I believe so strongly. Let's say you're able to start with $10,000 and you earn 12% on average a year for 10 years. You can see that turns into $31,000. So that triples your money. And again, this, this would be, we're talking about a one-time investment earning 12%. You never you never touch it. You're never adding more money. In 20 years, you you now have $93,000. In 25 years, you have $144,000. And uh, if, if you uh, advance it, it should say after 30 years, you'll have $275,000. So a $10,000 investment turns into $275,000 uh, after 30 years. So that's the power of compounding. If you're able to leave your money in an investment that is earning, let's say, 12%. Obviously, if it's if it's 10%, your numbers will be a little bit lower, but you can see just how strong compounding can be. Just even tripling your money in 10 years is pretty fantastic. Um, you know, it's not get rich quick, but again, you're, you're investing in stocks, which are, and, and you're investing in, in fairly conservative stocks. That's the other important thing to remember with dividends these are our mature companies. This is not this is not the next Facebook and the next Tesla, which could be a home run. But there are a lot of companies that strike out when they're attempting to be the next, you know, the next hot thing. These are companies that have been around for years, have been raising their dividends for years. So it's a pretty conservative investment. Doesn't there's no guarantee that they won't go down in a bear market. They probably will go down. They'll probably go down less than other stocks. But again, over time, these stocks should, uh, if we pick them well, should return about 12% a year if you're reinvesting the dividends. And that can really uh, move the needle on on growing your wealth and your family's wealth. Mark, you in, uh, should I stay on this slide? Uh, oh, you can go. go to the next one too, because okay. so yeah, that- okay, Oh, actually, so yeah. Is, mm -hmm. and, and one thing I want to be clear, you know, th this is just a, a nice round number of $10,000. Obviously you don't need $10,000 to start. Uh, you can start with anything. One of the great things about investing today is that with most brokers, it doesn't cost anything to get started. And you can buy one share of stock and, and, and with some brokers, even a fraction of a share. You know, when I when I first started in the 1900s, um, it cost $50 to make a, a trade, to buy a stock. And, you know, the first stock I ever bought, I only bought $600 worth of stock and it cost me $50 to do so. So today... You know, you can start with $50 if you want or, or $10, you know, whatever that number is. So this is just an example to show you 
um, how big the numbers can get if you uh, if you if you continue to invest. So if you go to the next slide, uh, this shows you what ten thousand dollars if you were able to continue to add money every year. So if you added twenty five hundred dollars a year, now you can see that you have seventy four thousand after ten years, um, over uh, well over two hundred thousand after twenty. Uh, 470,000 after 25 years and 800,000 after 30 years. So you can see how starting early and even adding just a, a little bit every year changes, you know, uh, changes the game. So if you're, if you're 20 years old or you know somebody who's 20 years old and you can get them started, imagine what their financial picture could look like at 50. Uh, it, you know, you're talking about being able to upgrade their house, consider retiring early, starting a business, paying for a college education. So the, you know, the earlier you can start or get, get a family member to start, the better off they're going to be uh, over the long term. Now you write, uh, sorry, do you want me to stay on this slide? No, we're good. Okay. So you also write in your book, I'm coming out of this, uh, coming out of this. Okay. So you also write uh, that past performance and every time you, you know, read uh, stock market investing, there's always that little closet no one can read, but, <laughs> but it says past performance is no guaranteed of future results, but you argue that it's pretty darn close. Sure. So that, that past performance is no guarantee of future results is a, a very standard uh, language, especially for mutual funds and any kind of investment. So basically what they're saying is just because this mutual fund averaged, let's say 10% a year, doesn't mean that's going to continue. That being said, the broad, the broad market, the numbers are pretty consistent over the long term. They generally earn on average about seven and a half percent to 8% a year. Now, on any given year, that's going to fluctuate wildly. You might make 25% one year, lose 15%, the next make 10%, lose 2%, make 18%. But over the long term, those averages do tend to stay pretty much in line at about between 75 and 8% per year. And if we are investing in these, these perpetual dividend raisers, like I talk about these companies that are raising their dividend every single year, the numbers are, are even better. Um, and then what I'm trying to do is, is like I said, average 12%, which is even better than kind of the, the broad index of these dividend raising companies. What are your thoughts about dividend ETF? Someone and LinkedIn don't have your name, but what are your thoughts about dividend ETFs, Mark? That's a great question. So, and I get this one all the time. There are no dividend ETFs that raise their dividend every year, even though they invest in companies that do. So if your goal is to increase your dividend income every single year, a dividend ETF won't do it. There are no ETFs, no mutual funds. Uh, there, there are no other investments that I know of that raise their dividends every year other than these several hundred individual stocks. Now, now the benefit of a dividend ETF is that you don't have to pick the stocks yourself, that you, you, know, you leave it to either a professional money manager, or in many cases, these ETFs are just index funds. So it's, 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 there's not a, a person saying, well, I think we should buy this one and not that one. It's whatever's in an index is automatically bought. Um, and, and as a result, if it's an index fund, it's, it's a very inexpensive way to have your money managed. So, so there are some benefits, but if you want to have that, that annual dividend growth, you will not get it in an ETF. Hmm. 
So you also write, why companies raise their dividends? Why would they? Why do they have to? And why do companies choose to offer dividends and some don't? It's a great question. So the reason that they do, what, what you'll typically find a company that is in hyper growth mode will not pay a dividend because they're funneling all their excess cash back into the business. Um, so, uh, you know, for years and years, you know, Apple and Microsoft and, and kind of the, the, the blue chip tech companies, when they were kind of the hot com young companies, didn't pay a dividend. Tesla doesn't pay a dividend. Um, Facebook doesn't pay a dividend because they're still putting money back into the business, trying to grow as fast as they can. At a certain point, companies, they might still be growing, but they're now generating so much cash that they... Uh, that they they have excess cash, even though they're funding their business and they're they're maybe buying other companies and growing their business organically, they still have extra cash, so they can squirrel it or you know squirrel it away for a rainy day. They can buy back shares of their own company, or they can pay dividends. And many will pay dividends um, for a few reasons. One, it attracts long-term shareholders. You know, a, a, a company does not want shareholders, including big institutions that are hyper-focused on each quarter's earnings. And if, and if the earnings report is just a little bit down, they sell the stock. They want people and, and investors that are going to hold on to their stock for years and years. It makes their job a lot easier if they don't have to answer tough questions every quarter because you know, their profits were down half a percent and, and Wall Street expected it to be, you know, up half a percent or whatever, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing too, is that remember a lot of the high level executives, the CEOs, CFOs, they're big shareholders. So when they get the dividends, they get paid as well. And dividends are taxed at a lower tax rate than your ordinary income tax rate. Mm -hmm. So if you're a CEO and you have the choice of, let's say a million dollar bonus versus a million dollars in dividends, you'll probably take the dividends because the dividends are going to be taxed at a much lower rate. Mm -hmm. So the CEO and the CFO, the, the executives like their dividends as well. And the last reason is, especially for the companies that raise their dividend every year, it sets the bar very high. It sends a very strong message to investors that management has confidence that the business is doing really well and will continue to do well. And, you know, if you think about it, if, if a company has raised their dividend every year for, let's say, 25 years and suddenly they don't, that sends a very strong message to Wall Street that something has changed and it's changed for the worse. Right. And, and, and I'm, not even, I'm not even talking about cutting the dividend or eliminating it. I'm just saying if every year for 25 years they raise the dividend and mm -hmm. now they keep it flat, that's saying that, you know, something is different than has been in the last 25 years and the company's you know, stepping on the brakes a little bit. And that's going to scare some investors and they're going to question it. So by continuing to raise the dividend, they are signaling that we believe strongly in our business and we are very confident that this business is going to continue to grow. So it's, it's, a, it's a really good signal to Wall Street. And you'll even see in, in very difficult years like 2020, when you know, COVID shut everything down, mm -hmm. companies that had long track records of, of raising their dividend every year, some of them... You know, they didn't they didn't have a ton of cash coming in, but they maybe raised the dividend by, you know, even a fraction of a penny just mm -hmm. to keep that track record going, just to signal that, you know, we're going to get through this. Um, not everyone did. I mean, there were companies that cut the dividend, but 
the ones that did were sending a very strong message that this is a temporary problem and we'll, you know, we're going to get out on the other side of this. Um, name a couple of examples where that occurred. We probably have heard of those companies. Um, uh, the companies that raised a fraction of a, a penny. I, I or the, no, that decided not to. That decided not to raise their dividend in 2020. Um, gosh. Uh, the last five years. They continued to raise. I'm trying to remember the ones that that uh, stopped raising. Because if, if they did, and if I had recommended them, I immediately got out of them. Because mm -hmm. I am, I'm only interested in, in the companies that uh, that continue to raise their dividend every year. So the minute I see that a company is not going to be able to raise their dividend or if they cut the dividend, I'm out. How do you find that out, that piece of information that they're not raising or cutting the dividend? So a company will make an announcement uh, every quarter of what their dividend is. Mm -hmm. And um, and usually if you go to their website, uh, there, there's an investor relations section and there'll be a uh, if you go to like, it's usually stock or stock information, there'll be a section on the dividend. You can see their dividend history. So you'll be able to see what they've done in the past. There's also uh, websites like um, seekingalpha.com. And if you uh, type in a ticker symbol and then click on dividends and dividend history, uh, you'll see what the company's dividend history is. And the companies that raise the dividend will often uh, say that right there in the press release that, you know, where they announced the dividend, uh, we're now paying 50 cents per share. That's a 6% increase over last year. And if they have a long track record, they're usually pretty proud of it. And they'll say, this is the you know 30th year in a row that we've raised the dividend every year. I think that would be a great uh, part of our research before we invest in a company to find out what their dividend track record or their press releases talked about. Absolutely. And that, I mean, that's, that's kind of one of the first things I look at it, You know, I, when I'm looking at a, at a stock to recommend to my readers, I will, uh, the first thing I need to see is that the company has been raising their dividend and, and most recently, uh, you know, has done so in the, within the past year. Mm -hmm. Then if I see that, then I'll really dig into the financials and make sure that they can continue to do that. And, and it's a stable company and so on. But, but if they're not raising their dividend, I'm not interested. You're not interested. What are, what are DRIPS? So DRIP stands for Dividend Reinvestment Plan. And that's when, as I mentioned earlier, you automatically buy more shares with your dividends. And, and you do that through your broker. So if you buy shares of stock with your broker, you can inform them. And usually it's on the website. There's a, a place to select it. But if, if you can't find it, you can always call them or email them. And you... you automatically have those dividends reinvested so that you don't have to think about, is the stock a good buy now? Do I want to put more money in? Every single time that dividend is paid, it is automatically reinvested into the stock. And, and the, the nice thing about, about drips is it takes all the emotion out of buying stock. And, and you know, there's always a reason to be worried about the market, worried about a stock. And I'm very much in favor of any process that removes emotion out of it. So you might, you might have the best of intentions say, well, you know, I'm going to collect the dividend in cash. And then when I get a certain amount of it, when I get $50 or hundred dollars, I'm going to put it into the market. And so then you, you get that 50 or hundred dollars, then you go, oh, the market's falling right now. It doesn't look so good. I'm, I'm just, I'm going to hold off. And then next thing you know, the market has turned around and your stock is 10 points higher and you missed it. So if you can, if you can automatically, uh, if you can make that process automatic, 
where your emotions are completely eliminated, you'll do so much better in the market. It's, it's kind of what we were saying before about investing for the long term and, and regardless of what the market is doing and bear market crash, just letting it, letting it um, ride, whatever you can do to take your emotions out of your buying and selling decisions is really important. Right. And I think it's really important for our audience to, you know, they may see a financial analyst or media person ranting and raving about whatever. And then there's someone on the exact opposite side ranting and raving to the opposite. Both maybe had good points, but they're opposing views. And it really comes down to what? How should our audience, uh, you know, look at all that? you know, contrasting information from two ranters on whatever financial media. So when it comes to financial media, I never listen to anyone's specific recommendation. I'll listen to their points. So if you're, if they're talking about the economy, one says we're headed to recession, one says we're not, I'll, I'll listen to their arguments, but I'm not interested in their opinion. If they're talking about a stock, one's you know, one recommends buying it, one recommends selling it, same thing. I don't care if they recommend buying or selling it. I'm interested in, you know, why they recommend buying and selling it and and see whose argument makes the most sense. So, um, you know, I, I, I strongly advise against acting on any anybody you see on TV, including me. Uh, you know, if I'm on TV talking about a stock, I mean, <laughs> when, when you go on TV, they want you to have an opinion. You know, if, yeah. if, if, if I go on TV and they say, we're today we're talking about Tesla, they don't want me to say, well, it's, you know, it's a good company. I'm not, you know, they want to know, they want you to say, buy it or sell it. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, so keep that in mind. And also keep in mind that somebody may be what we call talking their book. They may own the stock, and 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 they so they believe in it, but they own it, so they're naturally bullish. Or somebody uh, does not own it, or or just sold it, or or what have you. So you know, there's a reason that they're they're also bearish. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind. You know, don't don't act on anyone's recommendation. If you hear an idea that's interesting, and somebody says buy the stock, you may think that's interesting. Then you can go you know dig in and and do your homework or, or look for some other sources. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, you use use kind of the broad arguments as your as your research versus uh, you know taking a hot stock tip from anyone. Sure, we're coming up on time, everyone. So please post your questions in the chat. What is the 10, 11, 12 system, Mark Lichtenfeld? So that is the system in my book that I, I talk about on how to achieve these 12% average annual total returns. And it and it's basically trying to find stocks that have a high enough starting yield. That's the percentage of your original investment that you're receiving dividends uh, combined with a high enough dividend growth rate. So, you know, how much that dividend is increasing every single year. And so there's, you know, a, a formula for uh, achieving a 12% average annual total return. So the higher the starting yield, the lower that growth rate has to be, uh, and vice versa. The lower the starting yield, the higher, uh, you know, the more growth you need from that dividend to hit those numbers. Uh, and then we also just assume in this formula that that we're just average stock pickers. We are not picking the next great stock. That the, the stock is just going to go up in in line with the historical market average of, of about seven point eight percent a year. So you know we're not picking the next Tesla or Facebook or the next great company. We're just picking a company whose stock price moves right in line with the market average, but 
that has a high enough starting yield and and usually fairly impressive dividend growth that's going to get us to this 12% number. And soon we will give you the details on how you could win an autographed copy of Get Rich with Dividends. Okay, so what I just wanted you to just backtrack a little bit. What is a yield and what does it mean that's a higher yield? What is that? And, and then we have to go to taxes as well. Sure. So the yield is the percentage of your investment that you're receiving in dividends. So, for example, if you bought a stock for $100 and it paid a $4 dividend, your yield would be 4% because you're receiving 4% of your investment back uh, every year in a dividend. So that's, that's your starting yield. Now, if that dividend grows every year, that then your, your personal yield goes higher. So if, the, if they raise the dividend by 10%, well, now you're earning $4.40 uh, per share on your $100 investment. So now your yield is 4.4%. And if it continues, the next year would be 4.8% and then you know 5.3% and, and so on. So that's how you can really start to, to grow the numbers. And if you can hold on to these stocks for a long time, you might have started off with a 4% yield, but now, you know, a number of years later, you might be earning 10%, 12% per year in income just from the dividend. That has nothing to do with the stock price. The stock price could have tripled, quadrupled, whatever. It might have gone nowhere, um, but you're, you're earning more and more income from that stock every year because the dividend is growing up. Um, so even though the yield started at 4%, the goal is for it to go much higher. And Tracy Holder, we're coming to your question, but would you address, we're in tax season, we have this boatload of dividends coming in. Does the IRS care, Mark? Oh, yes, of course they do. <laughs> they want their money. So, so dividends are typically taxed at 15%. Uh, and if you are in one of the higher tax brackets, then it is as high as 23.6%. Um, there, there are some tax brackets that uh, you are not taxed on your dividends. I don't recall um, where those start. Um, but generally speaking, for most investors, they'll be taxed at 15% per year, which is lower than your ordinary income tax and lower than, let's say, if you uh, if you were even earning 4% in a savings account uh, and, you, you, and your interest is taxed at your ordinary income tax rate, which is usually higher than 15%. Now, keep in mind that savings account is you know FDIC insured and 100% safe. A, a stock is, is not guaranteed. But if we're just comparing the, the tax rates on the income, the income on the dividend is, is usually lower. Tracy Holder asks, how do I get started with investing? How do I find a brokerage firm or someone to manage my investments? So if you're looking for a brokerage firm for, your, for you to manage, there, you know, you've probably seen lots of commercials for all the big ones. You've got Fidelity and E-Trade, Ameritrade, Schwab. Uh, I think any of the, the the really big ones are excellent. They all have commission-free trading. It doesn't cost you anything to make a trade. Usually it doesn't cost you anything to have money there. Um, so any of the big ones are fine. I'm not a huge fan of Robinhood. I know that's really popular with a lot of younger investors. That's an app. Um, also free, but they've had some really serious problems when the market has 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 melted down, when there's been some, some big Stop crash. Stop the trading, yeah. Yeah, people have not been able to get out, and not that we're looking to to sell when that's happening. But uh, you know, you're not hearing about those problems so much with with the big firms like Ameritrade, E Trade, Fidelity, Vanguard, Schwab. Mm -hmm. um, as far as 
finding somebody to manage your investments. So a lot of those firms uh, also do have uh, um, plans in place where you can work with somebody. You'll, you'll, you'll pay a fee or, or there'll be a, a commission or, or a percentage. Um, but you, you can work with somebody at those firms. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want somebody who, but those people usually will not be managing your money. They'll, they'll kind of put you on a plan, uh, but they won't be personally overlooking it. If you want somebody to do that, then really the best way is to, to ask around, ask people that you know and that you trust uh, if they're using anybody, because the last thing you want to do is give your money to somebody who you don't know, you know, you're walking into some financial firm and just handing it to the person who happens to be sitting at the desk that day. They could be great. They, they might not be. And mm-hmm. so I always, any kind of financial professional, I always want a referral from somebody I trust and somebody who's worked with them. And Tracy, we have um, a ma- wonderful, brilliant licensed financial advisors who teach at World of Money. I'm happy to send you a list. If you email us, we can send you the list. Then you do your own vetting. So even though we love them and they teach the children, it's like Mark teaches the children. So we got to do a background check on everybody. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a website uh, called brokercheck.finra.org. Yes. You may love the person you always do a background check on everyone, um, particularly when it comes to managing your money. Wakeza, we are going to launch our own um, app where you can invest and receive, you know, education and the whole thing. So you can sign up and you'll you'll know about that. But um, yeah, always do the background check and you can email us and can send you a list of names and you'll have a conversation with them because the other part of this investing and someone managing your money And it's important for you to have someone because you have your own unique goals, your family goals, maybe your retirement or not retirement. Maybe you have a child that's going to college or whatever. And that's why this one size fits all when someone says, oh, you should invest in whatever that's, you know, hot and fiery and everything. Maybe that doesn't meet your goal. So that's why you need to have a one on one conversation uh, with your own your own representative. Okay. And finally, my question as we wrap up, because unless there's any other questions in the chat, is what is the, this is your third edition, Mark, of your book at Rich with Dividends. What is the biggest misconception regarding this subject and investing? Uh, That dividend stocks are boring and you know, like we were, we've been talking about, you know, people, people want that home run. They want that stock that's going from $10 to a hundred dollars in, in a month. Um, and that's, that's not going to happen with, with most of these dividend stocks uh, you know, you, you might get lucky and, and something crazy might happen, but that's, that's not what's going to happen with these companies. These companies are about getting rich slowly and consistently. Um, so to me, that's not boring because I've, I've also seen it work firsthand in my life, actually in my son's life, too. When I was writing the first edition in 2012, my son was uh, nine and he asked me, you know, what do you, you know, what are you writing about? And I explained and I explained the situation. I showed him basically the same numbers we showed today. And he said, so if I invest now, by, by the time I get out of college, I could have a bunch of money. I said, I said, yeah. So he said, well, can we do that? So I, I got him started. And well, guess what? Now my son's graduating college and he's going to have, I mean, he's not a, a rich person by any stretch of the imagination, but when he gets out of school, uh, you know, he doesn't have to move home 
the day after graduation, he can, <laughs> he can figure it out um, for yeah. a little bit until uh, until he's on his feet because he does have a little bit of a nest egg and, and hopefully he doesn't have to tap into that. And then he can use that for a down payment on a house maybe 10 years from now or, you know, what have you. But um, it, it's worked in just in that short period of time. And, it, and it's made all the difference in my life because I got unbelievably lucky. And, and, and really what started me on this whole path mm-hmm. was when I was 20 two years old, I read a statistic about investing that if you, if you put $2,000 away from the time you're 21 and you put $2,000 a year away every year until you're 31 and then stop, you'll have more money at the age of 65 than you would if you started at 31 and invested every year all the way up to 65. Mm. So in other mm. words, you know, a total of $20,000 invested early turns into more money than, um, then was that uh, thirty four sixty eight thousand dollars invested, uh, you know, in a at a little bit later date, and so that just that just made all the sense in the world to me. That's when I picked up that book, Understanding Wall Street, and and got my journey started. So uh, it is it is the the quicker you can get started and let that money ride will make such a big difference. You're not going to feel it tomorrow. You're not going to feel it next year. But I promise you, in ten years, fifteen years, and so on. You're going to uh, you're you're going to feel it in a very big way. Felicia Palmer asked, "How much did you invest for your son? <laughs> did you use uh, drips, or did you add fresh cash over the years, or just the drips?" Um, I think we started him with five thousand. We did drips. If if we added anything, it was money that he made. I didn't add anything to you know. I didn't give him any more money if he worked jobs in high school or whatever. And he put, I think he put in a little bit more money uh, that way, but uh, otherwise we just let it run. So imagine everyone, if you got started now, pick up the book, but there's going to be a lucky winner in a few minutes uh, of the autographed copy, not this version. I have the original version. Um, that what, how your life, your family's life can just transform changing everything by starting right now. So Mark Lichtenfeld, thank you so much for serving World of Money as a National Advisory Council member, as well as congratulations on your new book, Get Rich with Dividends, a proven system for earnings, double digit returns. And whoever, you had to be here at the beginning, whoever, the first person to email info at Wakeza, W-E-K-E-Z-A.com, what does Wakeza mean? Said that at the beginning. What does it mean? We'll get an autographed copy from Mark of this fantastic international bestseller. Mark Lichtenfeld, thank you so much for being with us. We look forward to having you back with the 20th edition of Get Rich. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen. This, this might be the last one. We'll see. We'll see. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Good night, everyone.